Sales Tuners, Episode 103, Hector Garza, Sales Manager at Trent. You want clarity on, on your communication and it doesn't mean that it has to be hurtful, it just has to be clear enough for the other person to get the message. And I expect the same. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that gets sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Steve Mataraboli, who said, It's lack of clarity that creates chaos and frustration. Those emotions are poison to any living goal. Today, I've got the first episode for you that was recorded while in the United Kingdom. I'm joined by Hector Garza, sales manager at Trent, a modern platform for automated transcriptions and content collaboration, also a product I've used for more than a year now to edit and produce this podcast. Hector is a true student of the world. Having grown up in Mexico, he did his master's studies in both London and Budapest, and today, well, he lives in London. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash 103. But now let's get to the conversation where Hector talks about how he gave up playing tennis once he realized it wasn't going to make him rich and famous. I was doing this on a regular basis, two to three hours every day. But then I decided that it was too difficult to to make it in in there and I decided to to go to university instead and you know pursue a different career which actually I thought I I, I saw myself maybe being a diplomat at age 30 uh it, that didn't turn out to be the way things went but I'm still happy I, I live in a city that I love uh, surrounded by people that I that are really enriching for me and so I'm happy with with how it turned out <laughs> well, there's still time. Maybe the diplomat thing yeah. uh, will happen after all. So, uh, but I want to start with what Trent is today. Talk to me about what Trent is and, and what's your sales process. Why actually? Why do customers decide to buy from you? So, in very simple terms, what we do at Trent is we do automated transcription using artificial intelligence. So we have our robots that are doing the transcription on on behalf of the client, and the benefit is that no human ever touches the, the file, which it's it's an extra insurance on security for for clients why they choose us uh, they want to do things faster and be more efficient which ultimately means they can save money because they either use that time to do something else or it actually is a cost reduction for them well Hector, you haven't always been the person that you are today take me way back how did you even get into sales so i guess it all started when i was working in customer support so i think ultimately uh sales it's it's the best form of customer support, except we're we're actually getting paid to to serve. So when I started in customer support, I always enjoyed being in, in front of clients, speaking to them, learning from their problems. And I guess part of that, what, or, or where I stopped, was at the point of solving the problems for them, because my job was to get them in touch with a salesperson when that was needed. And then I transitioned into a, an account management and sales role for Spain. And that's when I really got everything that, that I was looking for. I, ha- I was client-facing. I was in charge of negotiations. I had a large uh, book of accounts. And you know, I really enjoyed it. And that's, that's where I, I learned a lot of things. I failed at certain things. Uh, but it's part of, the, part of the growth as a salesperson. 
What were some of those things that you did fail at early on as you made that transition into commercial sales? I often didn't get the client the right solution because I had in my in my head what might be what I wanted to them to to purchase or to acquire. I learned really quickly that to be a successful salesperson, you actually have to listen to the client and and then yes, fill in the gaps of what they might not be telling you, but listening to the client it's crucial. They at this day of age where there are so many options, we can't shove things down a client's throat. We have to listen to what they need, cater to, to what to what they need for if we have it at the moment. And if we don't have it, then bring it back to the to the to the business and, and to the product team and hopefully make that happen. Because if there's potential for, for selling it, then of course there will be some revenue associated to that. So that's important. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by that concept of how you tie that notion of needing to listen with what you said earlier is that sales is the best form of customer a success, or how do you say? You said uh, customer support. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so tell me more about that. When you when you say that, what does that actually mean to you? For me, it means that every single person in any company at any given point, we should be doing some form of selling because you're either selling your great support, that great experience that the client will have with you over the phone in two or three minutes. Uh, up to being the best product manager that you can because the client will be comfortable giving you the feedback that they that you need to make a better product and ultimately in an actual sales sales role getting that booked in so yeah it's 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 a whole process selling is not just the salesperson that will do, be doing it you sell by giving a great customer experience by listening to the client to to build a better product because that ultimately will translate into money well, and like you said, in today's world of almost infinite choices around any product or service that we want to buy, it, it really is that non-business uh, aspect that gets the customer to truly want. Absolutely. Uh, I've been reading Story Brand by Donald Miller uh, the last couple of weeks. And one of the things that just really stuck out to me in that book, he said, uh, people do not buy the best product. They buy the product they understand told to them from people who care. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And I mean, now with subscriptions becoming so so popular, you want to build that long lasting relationship with the client. You want that repetition of, of purchases. You don't want just a one off that will, as a salesperson, get you to your target at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter. You want that long term. They want client to keep coming back to you, and that's built with a with a really solid relationship. How do you balance though, Hector? The I get it. The, you need the long term success because your number is not going to go away. It's going <laughs> to keep coming back month over month. But but you do have to hit the number, yeah. right? You do still have to hit those targets. So how do you balance that long term customer relationship with the need that you need to hit the number? It's tough. You have to be the best friend, but you have to be the best friend that will always keep asking for favors. Um, so it's giving in in some cases when you need to and sometimes just stepping back and, and say, you know what, today is not the right moment. Today is just not the right time to, to talk about business. Let's just talk about something else. And when you're ready, you come back and, and we'll talk business. So yeah, it, it's, it's a tough balancing act. Um, you have to keep bringing in the money uh, so you all, you will always have that solid client base that will that you can rely on and and you can almost be shameless about and, and completely transparent about what you need and what your purpose is and then you will have those others where you will need to nurture a bit more before you get any anything back let's talk about the business today how are you opening up new conversations with prospects uh, here at Trent there's also that part of business development that it's evangelizing about what we do, how we're 
what we're great at, not what we're better than the others, because ultimately we will be different, but how what we do great here at Trint, how we can help the client, how we can cater to their needs. And, and yes, there is that element of building relationships, knocking on doors that we may have left closed some, some months ago, reactivating networks here in, in the UK, in the US, in Mexico. I'm in charge of Latin America. So getting every single opportunity that I can and and starting those relationships in some cases from, from scratch. And it does help being Mexican. It helps having a, a variety background because people will get interested in what I have done and then that will open the door a bit easier. I, I'm absolutely, I love what you're saying there because people do get interested in you as a person, right? right. Uh, and, and so, you know, a lot of my listeners know that I'm on this world uh, tour, this world right. journey right now. Uh, first stop here in London where you and I are talking now. Uh, but what I, what I didn't know that you just said is that you are here in London selling to Latin America. That's right. Talk to me about one, um, I'm going to say the cultural differences, but as you said, you are Mexican, you are from the Latin American right. region, but uh, you've lived over here for quite a while right. now. So how does that uh, influence things? But also, what about the time zone, right? You're what, like seven hours, eight hours Depending ahead? Depending on the country, yeah. Yeah, so, be... so talk about that. So, I mean, that's, you have to make compromises. Sometimes you just have to stay late and you come in earlier, later also the, the day after. Um, it's about finding that balance uh, when I know that I will have calls scheduled quite late, then I just take my time in the morning. But also, it has been difficult to kind of readapt to to the Latin American culture because things move slower. It's much more about the face to face relationship. Uh, so that for that we will we're hoping to travel a bit more to to Latin America, and yeah, so it will be a slow process. We know that, but I think with with what we have in store, uh, it will it will it will be an easier path. One of my biggest goals uh, with this trip, at least from the professional sense, is trying to get an understanding of what those cultural differences are around the world. Mm -hmm. And so what I find fascinating is you just said that the, the, the Latin American culture is much more of a face-to-face -face culture. And, and you know, you're essentially doing telesales here right. from, from London. <laughs> but what I have found interesting so far is that I feel like most Londoners... Uh, want that face to face as well. I, I've heard about this notion of a train culture. It's like, well, just get on the train and come down and see me. Help me understand. Like, I don't know. Is that true? In a way, I mean, Londoners were known for avoiding physical contact with strangers, but when there's any form of relationship, we crave that because it's a it's a it's a city it's a city that where building relationships is difficult because it's a huge city. You have millions of people. Uh, so I guess yes, in a way, we are all secretly craving some human interaction and and it's it's always preferred to be face to face uh, similar to to latin america although of course technology helps us bring bring people together and and we we have to make as much use as, as we can from all the tools available uh, so video conferencing it's it's also useful when dealing with latin americans and they they really appreciate learning about new technologies and maybe even using a new a new conferencing system that they don't know about and you know they they will also give even giving give you feedback on that which is good now in your last role you sold to spain mm -hmm. uh talk to me about that what about the cultural differences there did you notice any or uh process is the sales process itself it's it's a bit longer always um people they do want to they want to be more on the phone which is something mm. that i actually enjoyed 
to a certain extent because it can be also draining. <laughs> uh, but there I did have the chance to go more often just because it's closer and it's cheaper to fly there, of course. And that, you know, that interaction with, with, with my clients, it really helped. Uh, but yeah, it was all... With, with Spain, it's really a, a phone culture. They love speaking to you over the phone. They will email and they have no problem with that. But having that voice interaction, it's, it's really important for them. And that, that's something that I really enjoy too, because I missed being on the phone with clients and, and, and speaking to people. Even if after one really busy day, I may not want to speak to anyone. <laughs> what, what would you say makes you stand out from other salespeople? What makes you different? I don't shy away from brutally honest feedback, both giving and receiving. I think that's there There will always be things that we are oblivious to, that we don't notice about ourselves. And we have to ask those difficult questions. We have to, and we also have to be asked those physical, those those, those difficult questions. Uh, and we have to be prepared for that answer. And I, I, I would like to think that I'm always prepared for that tough answer that I might not be actually expecting, but then I can I can take it work work on it and, and, and act on it. In in other conversations I've had mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of the, the London uh, sales reps that I've talked to and mm -hmm. business uh, owners that I've talked to, I, I have heard that London is also very direct. They, they just want you to get to the point and what you're saying. Is that how you developed that instant feedback, that uh, direct, honest conversation? It might be specifically to Londoners that it's that direct approach because we live with such fast lives that mm -hmm. we want straight answers as fast as possible. It's similar to what happens in a restaurant, you're in, you're out, and, and that's it. But it's also, I learned this at the first company I worked for here at here in London. It was a very open and, and candid type of communication where if you you grow a thicker skin, um, or at least I did, and and you get used to that. You want you want clarity on, on your communication, and it doesn't mean that it has to be hurtful. It just has to be clear enough for the other person to get the message. And I expect the same. And I try to build that also into my relationship with the clients because that makes it easier for me. That makes it easier for them. But if it if I have to adapt, then of course I I, I will. You've kind of talked about this a little bit, Hector, but um, with this notion of being direct and, and uh, not beating around the bush, there's the, the other side of it as well that you've talked about is like not imposing your will right. on the prospects that you're talking to. You talked about it in your last job that, you know, you had this vision of what you wanted to sell them and it may not have aligned with what they actually wanted to buy. How do you slow yourself down so that you truly are listening and putting the right solution together for the prospect? Do you have any... Uh, tactics or, or techniques that you use? I get clients to talk as much as, as possible because that's the way to gather more information and they, they, they ease into the conversation, they feel more comfortable and then you will get more from uh, more information on what, on what you need to build a solution for them. That's crucial. And also learn as much as you can from the client ahead of getting on a call or getting even on an email with them because Information is power. So the more I know in advance, the better prepared I'm for, for, for a call or for even writing an email, the more likely I can get more out of them. Because if I already covered the basis, then we can move on to something that's richer. That's so, crucial. So you're, you're using research to maybe accelerate the sales process is kind of what I'm hearing. That's, yeah, that's one way to put it. 
So I'm hearing a couple of things that you're saying, uh, but then I want to relate that back to this notion that buyers today have so much choice Mm -hmm. out in the marketplace. And so, yes, I get the open-ended questions. Uh, uh, Everyone wants that. But what do you do when a buyer just doesn't they're not interested in that. Maybe they've already seen a demo of mm-hmm. your competitor and they're just like, just just show me the product. All I want to know is the product. How do you handle that? If they ask specifically for that and that's what they want, then I have to give them that. And I have to give them the time to realize that we may or may not be there. Hopefully we will be their choice and always leave them with something else. So asking why have they been looking around What's the real problem that they want that they want to solve, uh, or sometimes just even presenting them with with some numbers. Sometimes numbers help. They want to see how much they would be saving. They want to see how much they would have to be investing on this in the longer term. So if if they really have clarity on what they they want at that specific interaction, then always just give something more that can maybe open a conversation or get a bit more time with them, even if they didn't request it. It might be that they will just delete the email anyway, or they will say, you know, right now it's not the time. But if if I can get them hooked with something that they may not need or not they didn't request at that specific moment, then, you know, I'll, I'll do it. I never leave anything unturned. What are the biggest objections you're getting to people not wanting to, to buy today or, or specifically buy your solution? I think generally it's a budget budget constraints. Um, my wife works in procurement, so I'm used to handling those kind of objections. It's we have our own uh, duo of you know learning about what the what the what the enemy is thinking because uh, of course she's all about cost savings and and maximizing value and and my side is spend more 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 uh, help me get my target so. It's always about how we how we create better value for the client because they it's it's budget concerns. It will always be, I think, the the main the, the most difficult objection. And because it's the most common, then it should also be the easiest to overcome. But of course, you need to know what they're after. So, in my case, it helps having some knowledge inside insiders' knowledge on what procurement might actually require from a client, which it may not necessarily be saving money, but create a, a greater value. I just want to clarify this. Did I hear you call your wife the enemy <laughs> in this conversation? If we were on the same table negotiating, she would definitely be the enemy. <laughs> so I got to go here. Who would win? We would probably found a, a middle ground for a win-win situation. <laughs> I, I truly am. Like a, a big smile came on my face as you were talking about that. Like it, it's so interesting. I got a couple of friends in procurement and they, the relationship I've had with them has made me a better salesperson right. because I do. And you call it the enemy and jokingly, but I, I've, but you, you hear all the things that they're going to do in their process yeah. so that you can start to prepare for them. Has she shared any, like what, what's the biggest piece of wisdom your wife has shared with you that she's going to play in the negotiation similar to what we will do we will always go with a higher price or a higher ask for a discount Um, and this is maybe top secret for everyone so really listen to this but we will always go in with a bigger number than we actually plan to take away and it's just that, that it helps knowing that (laughs) <laughs> it, it's totally true, right? And I think that people who have bought SaaS, 
the, the buyers have been trained to know that that's, that's the case. That's true. Uh, when I was at Oracle, we had a list price, but everyone knew that list price was never, ever going to be the price. Right. Right. Ever. <laughs> uh, which, which goes back to what you were saying though earlier, that that's where you have to truly find out the value right. that your solution is providing because it's not your solution. It's how the, pro- the, the buyer is going to use your solution. And there's right. a value to that. Right. And, and understanding that is going to be what's going to, to drive all this. I've got to take a quick break so that I can say thank you to my sponsors. When we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away. Perfect. And sales sooners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. <laughs> Costello is pioneering the way companies build and execute sales playbooks. The platform helps sales reps prepare for calls, ask timely questions, tell relevant stories, and sync insights back to their CRM, all while showing managers and reps the gaps in every single deal so they can work them together to move them forward. With Costello, sales leaders can identify what's working on the front line and replicate success across their entire team. Learn more and see a demo at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We're back and it's time for the money round. Hector, are you ready for the money round? I guess so. (laughs) What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? Accepting really critical feedback from people that really know me like my wife. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? Learning from every single person in the company that I can, because that's crucial for success. Two-part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? I think it would be I love to win. And why? It's because even if I lose, if I learn something along, along the way, it's still a win for me. What's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? This is childish, but it's a Harry Potter collection. I read it every Christmas. <laughs> sales tuners, if you'd like to check out Hector's suggestion of any of the Harry Potter series for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book, and there you can sign up for their free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. And I will tell you, being here in London, there's Harry Potter stuff everywhere, <laughs> uh, from the toy stores to the theme parks to all the history tours. So I've never read the books. Maybe I need to pick them up uh, this year. <laughs> Hector, what is currently at the top of your bucket list? Uh, visiting Singapore. We have some friends that just moved there and just had a, a child last year. So we want to spend more time with them. What's the biggest piece of advice you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? Learn from every single no that you get. Because a no can, in, in, in the longer term, turn into a yes if you really can overcome the objections that the client has. One of the biggest things I wanted to get out of this trip around the globe is to shed the ethnocentrism I have. Initially, hearing Hector's background seemed odd. He's from Mexico, lives in England, and sells to Latin America. But as I reflected, it actually makes a lot of sense. Regardless of where we're located in the world, why wouldn't we want to have the person with the most cultural alignment calling on that segment of the market? Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, give your prospect what they need. Notice, I did not say give your prospect what they want. There is a difference. No longer are salespeople the gatekeeper to information. It is our job to facilitate the best buying experience we can for prospects. In that mutual exchange, it's important to listen to your buyer and decipher the difference between what it is they need and what they actually want. Are they asking to see certain features? Guess what? They've probably done their homework and need to see that to determine if they want to engage in a full sales cycle with you. Forcing your process on them to start from the beginning could kill a real opportunity. 
Number two, evangelize what you're great at. Look, I don't believe it's possible for a product or service to be the best in literally every category. Yet every day, I hear reps talking about how they're the best at this and the best at that. Although you may not think so, I assure you this is a turnoff to prospective buyers. That said, I absolutely want you to tell the world about the things you're great at or do really well. This is especially true in the beginning of the buying process. I like to see reps handle objections by accurately responding and then pivoting the message to highlight how the prospect could add additional value by considering something they may not have seen. Number three, don't shy away from brutally honest feedback. If you haven't read the book Radical Candor, it's one I definitely recommend, but the gist of it aligns with what Hector was saying with the notion of not only being open to direct honest feedback in yourself, but also building that clarity of communication into the relationship you have with buyers. Depending on how you are raised, the directness could be a challenge in the beginning, but if you keep working at it, you'll see just how appreciated it actually is. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thank you for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.SalesTuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And they stay there.